Welcome back to Tain's Talk Politics. I'm Andrew. And I'm Sam. And we haven't done a podcast in a very long time. I believe the last one we did was pre-election. So here we are in January, finally doing one on MLK Weekend. So there is a lot to talk about this afternoon. So the first thing we're going to start with is uh, talking about how President Biden spoke at Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia, which was formerly MLK's uh, church that he was a pastor, and also Raphael Warnock, who's a new senator, not really new anymore, but uh, he was elected for the first time two years ago, beating Kelly Loeffler. He is also a current reverend at that church. So it's very historic. Uh, he's the first sitting president to speak there, and I speak. I think that speaks volumes about our um, advancement and just um, racial equality. There's not too much to say. I just I think it's interesting um that he's the first to do not even barack obama did that he did a post-presidency so did george w bush i believe bill Clinton probably i'm assuming he also spoke there as many foreign presidents have but not while they were in office which i think is something to point out um but oftentimes they'll speak on mlk weekend but on that monday not sunday they don't speak in the typical like sunday service um i think that's just something to bring out there's not much to talk about that which brings us to the next point is also related to President Biden. He's a new document scandal. So you might be getting deja vu from the end of Trump's presidency back in um, uh, back in 2020, when and towards the end, towards the following days after his presidency, um, Biden has Biden, both Biden and Trump have been suspected, and in some places confirmed to have documents hiding in places that are not inside the White House, which is illegal on like so many levels and is such a national security threat. Um, it depends on what are in those files. It obviously depends, but yeah, anyway. But so in Trump's case, there are around 300 classified documents that were found security. that were found in Mar-a-Lago that the National Archives was trying to get from President Trump. And he refused to give them to the National Archives. The FBI raided his home, got back those documents. In the case of President Biden, very different. They found around a dozen documents in his office. And then his attorneys immediately gave it to the National Archives. Republicans are wondering, why aren't they raiding the White House like they raided President Trump? Well, maybe it's because it was around a dozen and they immediately gave it back. They immediately gave it back. They did not wait they did not refuse to give them back to the national archives like it was in the trump in trump's case let's not completely ignore the fact they also found some in his home as well i think that's more scary than finding it in his office um and the mind you the trump documents were pertaining to national security like for example silo locations and like force force readiness and stuff like that so well, we don't know what Biden's are about. There were rumors. Um, I'm not sure what news source broke it. It was like it was over UK, Iran, Iraq relations. Of course, I, th- these are rumors. I don't know how um, really factual these are. So that could be a national security risk. However, if they were in his office, it's different. Yeah. The real question is, if they were at his house, didn't he run? Mo- he ran most of his campaign. From his house during the pandemic, meaning a lot of people that wasn't him and his wife were running around his house. Like, 
a bunch of campaign staff, they could have seen those documents. So that's the real question. That's why investigations probably should be um, should be uh, released. And I know they they have a special prosecutor, I believe, that have been appointed by Merrick Garland. I think it'll be interesting to see where this goes, what else they find. At the exact same time, the Biden administration is cooperating with the National Archives, with the Justice Department, completely differently to what President Trump was doing. Yeah, and so that's important for me to take like House Republicans, I just don't understand it. They're like, why are they? Why is the DOJ treating Trump and Biden differently? I'm like, because they're acting differently. It's yeah. completely obvious. Another thing to point out is that there has been some speculation about whether President Trump could have declassified the documents while he was president, and therefore it was completely legal for them for him to have those documents. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, that's the most BS thing I've ever yeah. heard of. <laughs> And they were like, well, Joe Biden didn't have the authority, but I'm like, well, in some cases, the vice president can declassify documents. Like, I think it depends on what the documents are, which is something we don't know. So Republicans can't necessarily use that yet until we know what are in those documents. But we don't know a lot right now. I think the the media is really playing this up a lot more, especially right-wing media, uh, because they're, they're using it really, oh, well, Trump did this, but Biden did as well. Two wrongs make a right. Well, not necessarily. We don't know what's happened in the case of Biden. No. We know still, a lot more about Trump. Yeah, we're still waiting for things to come out, so it's unfair to make any assumptions at the moment. But I think it's important to bring up because this is probably the most relevant thing happening right now Especially in the White House. Especially primaries are about to be released. Primaries start next year yeah. and leading up to, the, um, to them. and Yeah, so can, um, candidacy announcements. Some have already come out. I think there are two Republicans running. Trump being one of them. I don't remember the other one. It's probably some nobody, really, um, like a former congressman or something. Yeah. So no one super important. Well, Trump. But yeah. other than Trump, yeah. The real thing with the presidential primaries, we'll come back to this, is really, will DeSantis run? Yeah. DeSantis runs, that will be really a civil war within DeSantis the Republican Party. DeSantis is a right-wing powerhouse. Like, he is super popular, especially when But Trump is, too. Yeah. However, Trump... Um, lost significant popularity after the uh, 2020 elections and with all this crap that was happening with the whole document scandal as previously mentioned along with uh, dual impeachments one being in the office and one being out of the office so he's lost significant popularity since his time in the presidency the real proof of that is when you look at the speaker vote yeah donald trump endorsed kevin mccarthy for the speaker but what happened the Trump loyalists, your Lauren Boebert, your Matt Gates, they did not vote for Kevin McCarthy even after the Donald Trump endorsement. Marjorie Taylor Greene legit got Donald Trump on the phone on the House floor to try to persuade these Republicans to vote a certain way, and that did not work. That is really an obvious example of how Trump's um, his control of the Republican Party is slowly going away. Yeah. It's diminishing. We will see whether he regains his popularity, his control over the Republican Party over the next year or so. But I think it completely depends on who decides to run against him. Yeah. But a question I want to ask you, though, is if Trump's not in control of the Republican Party, who is? Yeah. Because normally he's one person. Because obviously Kevin McCarthy has just been appointed House leader, and we still have Mitch McConnell in the Senate, who is still a minority leader. Um, And there's nobody who's in control. 
So there, there is going to need to be a strong Republican candidate for the presidency um, that is coming up in the next year or so. Um, and, this, and it's entirely possible that Ron DeSantis will take that spot. And it'll, we'll see what happens, but yeah. But don't you think it should be McCarthy? Shouldn't he be leading the Republican caucus? Because if you, look in history in the nineties, who was who who led the Republican Party? Mm-hmm. It's Newt Gingrich. While Bill Clinton was president, it was the Speaker of the House who led the Republican Party. Why isn't that the case now? Why is Kevin McCarthy not able to hold that the the Republican Party control it? Yeah, Nancy Pelosi during the Trump presidency is a great example of how um, the Speaker is almost the second in command to the party when there is no president holding office. Because typically. A, um, you have a Democrat Republican. They leave office mm-hmm. out of the presidency, and they kind of disappear for a little bit. Yeah. But this hasn't happened with Trump. He's trying to stay the figurehead within the Republican Party. But that really brings up a lot of questions about who really is leading the party, and whether it's going in the right direction. And that was really prevalent when you look at the midterms. A lot of Trump endorsed nominees, Republican nominee uh, nominees, they lost. Then we go to Carrie Lake. She lost, right? Um, there are examples up and down the country, like a lot of House members. I'm trying to think of his name, ran against Kaptor in Ohio. He lost. He was also an insurrectionist at the United States Capitol, endorsed by Donald J. Trump. The only really obvious ones that won were like J.D. Vance in Ohio. That was a race for us to lose. Democrats weren't, they didn't have a chance, really. Tim Ryan did better than a lot of people, but that doesn't mean much. But the figure ahead of the Republican Party matters so much. Yeah. And the fact that they can't figure it out is kind of astonishing, honestly. But on the likewise, other than Biden, if Biden leaves, there's not really a figurehead of the Democratic Party right now. Like, if you think about it, because Biden, there's a strong chance that Biden will not even end up on, uh, go, not even a try, being, sorry, he's going to try, he, there's a chance he could be a one term president. And in that case, there's not really going to be a Democratic leader um, at that moment. I mean, because Nancy Pelosi's out for her, however long her terms were. All uh, all the Democrats are too old. All the good ones are too old. Because you think, Joe Biden, he's going to run. If I would bet a lot of money he's going to run. And he will win the primary. I have no hope for him in the general. No. Absolutely no not hope. Not even if he runs against Trump do I have hope for him. But if he doesn't run... Kamala Harris is not a good candidate. No. She's done nothing as VP. She's The only thing she's done is taken fire from right-wing Literally. Media. Yeah. She, the amount of gaffes that woman has, though, I'm yeah. like... The border crisis, Afghanistan and stuff, all of this... We're going back to Dan Quayle, the amount yeah. of gaffes you're hearing. Um, she, she is but, not a good candidate for president. She, no one likes her. <laughs> Democrats <laughs> don't like her. Republicans don't like her. I mean, it's it's turning into a whole Mike Pence situation. They were trying to hang him on the January 6th Capitol insurrections. Republicans on the Trump wing didn't like Trump's VP. And Democrats obviously aren't going to like the Republican vice president. This is the exact same thing that's happening with Kamala Harris. If Biden chooses to run 2024, he should, Kamala Harris should not be the vice president. Uh, his running mate. I think that makes him look kind of unstable. Honestly, if he doesn't choose Harris, but he's already said that he would yeah. run with Harris because if it's not her, who is it? Yeah, that's a good point. AOC is too far left. It's going to have to be a woman because you can't replace. He's not going to. It would look terrible if he replaces a woman with a white man. Yeah. 
but I, I don't know who it would be. Obama. <laughs> I don't think he wouldn't be eligible, I don't think. Is that true? I think so. Because the maximum amount of years you can have as president is 10. Right. So if Joe Biden dies at the very beginning of his term, Obama wouldn't have enough years to fill out the rest. Wouldn't that be like a special, mm-hmm. would it be a special session? Like a special election? I don't think so, no. Would it go to the speaker? No, he just wouldn't be able to be VP. He wouldn't fit the qualifications. Because the qualifications to run for president is the same as vice president. So if he doesn't meet the qualifications to run for president, he can't be VP. Well, besides the point. Michelle Obama, <laughs> I think it's a great <laughs> option. But we, I mean, Hillary Clinton tried this. It didn't work. Yeah, but <laughs> Hillary Clinton has twice the experience that Michelle has. I mean, because she... Uh, what, what did she do? She was she was involved in politics. She was an attorney, time. I think. She was an attorney. And, uh, Michelle Obama, she's great. She's been in high school. I don't think... She's been in high school. <laughs> Sorry. She went to Harvard Law School. Okay. Um. But, like, the thing, the thing that's interesting about this is Hillary Clinton, she was... She didn't have any political experience before she was the U.S. Senator from New York. No. And then she was, she was first lady, obviously, beforehand. Yeah. She was very popular among the entire nation. Yeah. She still lost the primary in 08. Right. She still lost the general in 2016. She, yeah. Unlike Michelle Obama, Hillary was um, portrayed as a more staunch character. Michelle, Michelle Obama is more of a loving, family-oriented, at times sarcastic. Well, character. are we talking about Hillary Clinton in 2008 or talking about Hillary Clinton in 2016? Because in 2008... She was the candidate that could beat literally yeah. any Republican. In 2016, she was seen as email Hillary. Yeah. I She she was seen as a national security risk, yeah. and that's why she lost. Mm-hmm. Had she won in 2008, I think her landslide would have been larger than Barack Obama's. Yeah. To be completely honest. That's probably true. Her map, she would have redrawn the map more like how Bill Clinton did it and just gone Kentucky, Tennessee, yeah. Missouri, Arkansas, Louisiana, a bunch of traditionally Republican states. She would have been able to flip yeah. it, just being formerly the first lady of Arkansas. Being deep in the South. By the time 2016 comes along, along, you already have Barack Obama completely sweeps out your old Democratic base with a more progressive one and completely left the South, and Hillary Clinton didn't have a chance. And then you have your Trump comes in and wins the South, completely sweeps everything. Yeah. Um, He didn't really. Florida was not a landslide, but he did sweep the South. I mean, Trump won Florida more in 2020 than he did in yeah. 2016, mm-hmm. which is one of the few states. I think Illinois and Nevada were one of like those three were the only yeah. states that went to the right from 2016. But if we're comparing Michelle Obama to Hillary Clinton, I think it's very different. I still think Michelle Obama is a wonderful candidate, though. Yeah. I mean, and that's still out of question. Because people love Obama, <laughs> they love the family. True. Bill Clinton came out with an impeachment. They loved Hillary Clinton, but not in the way they do Michelle Obama. Obama had a flawless presidency for the most part. There were no scandals. Other than the tan suit, that's not even a real scandal. <laughs> you know, but that would be, be awesome. And we thought Biden was going to get through his presidency without a scandal. And look what's happening now. I mean, granted, it's his first major scandal yet. Yeah. And we're now two years in his presidency. However, his demeanor, like, I don't know, the viral videos of him just turning around to shake nobody's hand. And whatever happened in Afghanistan, he's getting old, and he's he's just not qualified to be president again. 
But I feel like every president does do that. It's just he looks old. He looks yeah. so much older than everyone else. It's easier to. The way he talks with his speech impediment. But that's not. Yeah. That's not age. That's just he's yeah. he's had that his whole life. Had he ran twenty years ago, it was the same thing. When he ran in nineteen eighty eight for president, he lost the primary, obviously, to Michael Dukakis. The exact same time, though, he had the same speech impediment. He yeah. was just what thirty years younger. Yeah, but he does seem older than he is. Like, he seems... Does he have great-grandchildren yet? mm I think his oldest grandchild is eight. No, older 18? than that. It's it older than 18. Like she, he had a grand... But he has a granddaughter that just got married. Biden might be a great-grandpa, guys. Um, but he's 80... He's 80 or 81 now. I think he'll be 81 when he leaves the office. Or when he... Right. Gets, or when he runs for re-election. During inauguration for whoever. Because he was 78, I believe. Wait, then that makes him 82 then. So, but yeah, so he will be old. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with Bernie Sanders. He's like, oh, I might run again. I'm like, you're going to be like 88 at this point. Chuck Grassley, it's the same deal. He's like, he's legit 89, I think, right now. He just got a new six-year term out of Iowa. He will be 94 when he leaves. 94. Like, we look at these politicians that have been in there since they were in their 30s. He's been there for a third of the state's history of being a state. Been in the United States Senate for a third. That is insane to think about. But I think we are moving past that a little bit. Uh, Going back to what we were talking about with the House, Jim Clyburn, uh, Nancy Pelosi, they're all stepping down. Steny Hoyer, they're stepping down. Mm -hmm. And so we have new House leadership. Hakeem Jeffries is the new Democrat leader, and then Catherine Clark is the new um, uh, minority whip. And then from the Republican side, the Republican leadership has stayed very similar. Tom Emmer is new. He's going to be now the Republican whip. And Steve Scalise is the new majority leader Mm -hmm. since Kevin McCarthy has been promoted to the speakership. I think it's very interesting that the Republicans just – for the last little bit, have had much younger leadership than Democrats have. We've had the same leadership for the last like decade and a half. Nancy Pelosi, how long has she been the leader? Like since two thousand six. It's been a very long time, and you you look. It's been fifteen years. This is the first time we've had new leadership. Steny Hoyer. Steny Hoyer, you look. He's been there since what, the eighties. He's been a congressman, and like half of that, he's been the the whip or the leader, majority leader. And then, if we're gonna go there, the House Speaker elections just proves how messed up some leadership is. The Republican leadership does not know what they're doing. They're I, I get it. They have a new whip. Yeah. He might be new to this. But if you have to go 15 votes before you can whip the votes, and this is the first time since 1923 this has been an issue, maybe you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Or maybe I'm just looking to, into this too much. I don't know much about Tom Emmer. He's some Minnesota guy. So he's yeah. from northern Minnesota. He's been there for a while. But at the same time, it takes you that long. But I, I don't think – we were talking about the speaker vote before, before we started recording. Sam was not watching it live. I was. It was past my bedtime, for the record. What happened, to give a little recap, is around, I think the vote ended around 11, the first vote that night. So technically the 14th at that point. And at that point, it was expected that all the the 20 Republicans that were um, 
they were voting against Kevin McCarthy, they were going to decide and vote for him. The whip thought they had numbers. The whip was wrong. They were off by one single vote. One single vote. And you know why that is? It's because Matt Gates decided to vote present rather than vote for McCarthy. So pre- sort of, kind of. President just lowers the threshold, but yeah. does it for both parties, which is a question that was brought up. Well, if enough Republicans vote present, then technically Hakeem Jeffries could win. You need, okay, so the threshold was 218, and so I think they need what, 12 Republicans to vote present because Democrats are 212. But that was something that was thought of. But the the point of me bringing this up is it shows you the dysfunction of a House controlled by Republicans. Mm-hmm. You see directly out after that, you have a congressman out of Alabama, the chair of the Armed Service Committee, lunges at Matt Gates for voting president rather than McCarthy. We don't know what they said. They were not mic'd. However, C-SPAN captured it all live. Uh, McCarthy came over. like He looked like he was about to cry. I don't know if you've seen the clip. And comes over to Matt Gates is like, what are you doing? You need to vote for me right now. I'm at 216 votes. I need 217 to win. And what happens is after the 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 uh, chairman lunges at Matt Gates, one of our North Carolinians, North Carolina congressman, holds him back. That clip goes viral, and then they vote to adjourn for the night. But then at the last minute. Republicans strike a deal with Matt Gates and Lauren Boebert and Matt Rosendale, a bunch of Republicans that voted against McCarthy, and they vote to not adjourn at the last minute. So they vote again. An hour and a half later, Kevin McCarthy is the new Speaker of the House. So that shows you really just, if they cannot figure out who their Speaker is, what are they doing? What are they doing? And I don't know if you've heard all the concessions that Kevin McCarthy had to make to get all 20 Republicans that refused to vote for him. Okay, I think one of them was that Matt Gates got a chairmanship on a subcommittee. I don't know if it was a judiciary or rules committee, subcommittee, I'm not sure. The major one that I think is most big would be that any one House member can have a vote of no confidence at any point in time. So if you really think about it, what this means is if, let's say, Kevin McCarthy decides to remove someone from their committees, they can just keep going up and say, I I vote no confidence for Kevin McCarthy. It may not pass, but they can keep doing that forever for the House, and that doesn't exist, right? And And speaking of Republican leadership, you wanted to mention George Santos? Okay. George Sam, Sam does not know much about George Santos. He's New York's third district, I believe. And he's a new congressman. He'd be a Democrat incumbent in 2022. Basically, he lied about everything. There's been questions about whether he'll resign, whether or not he'll get his committees or not, uh, whether or not he'll be seated, period. Of course, he was seated, and it's expected that he will get his committees. The question is, will he resign? That is still up in the air. Some things that he's lied about, he lied about his heritage. He's actually from Brazil. I don't remember where he said he was from. Maybe the Middle East or somewhere. Mm-hmm. Israel, maybe. But he lied about that. Um, he lied about where he worked. He lied um, about his education. He said he was like the, the head captain of a volleyball team at some school. 
One, the school he said he went to, and he was a volleyball captain. He didn't go to, nor did he play volleyball. And the question is, is like, how did Democrats, when we were running against this guy, not figure this out before the election? Someone was not doing their job. But he won't win, even if he doesn't resign. There's absolutely no way he wins in two years. Absolutely no way. George Santos, he will be seated, I believe. But he will, I don't think he'll resign personally. He likes the power too much. He likes the attention too much. He will He will get his committees. It won't be powerful committees, obviously. He's a one-term congressman, and he'll lose in two years. Yeah. I don't know. I can't think of another time where this happened like this, where one congressman has brought up so much media attention, really. I think that's interesting, really, to uh, think about. One congressman, though, causes all this ruckus. The media just, they, they grab on it so fast, I think. But, you know, he'll lose in two years. I think that probably gives us, um, as a country who sees these politicians lie, gives us a little bit of hope to see that happen. Any thoughts on George Santos? It's actually insane the fact this is it's happening. It's, it's truly odd. I mean, the House is just messed up so far. I mean, and you look at the U.S. Senate, we're going back to 2024 during the presidential presidential primary i was talking to sam before this i predict that there will be a republican senate republican house and then desantis i think will beat trump in the primary and he will definitely beat joe biden or whoever the democrat nominee is he's very and it will be a landslide honest to god it will be a landslide it will be a government trifecta but the senate map is so horrible for democrats it is actually horrible you look at what's up we have a 51 seat majority right now for democrats Republicans have 49 seats. Democrats hold seats in Montana, West Virginia, Ohio, all Republican states um, just in, in November. All states that went statewide to a Republican. And then you have other really close states like Michigan, Pennsylvania, uh, uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota, New Mexico, Arizona, Nevada, all states that are going to be very competitive. And if Ron DeSantis is able to have a, a landslide in the presidential um, race, he will have coattails. Like I saw this map, it was like possibly they could get up to like fifty nine seats. Yeah. On a and, and even better night, they could get like sixty two, sixty three. We've not seen those numbers since what like the the nineteen uh, seventies. Right. It's been years, and Republicans have never had that much of a majority. Democrats have, but that was during um, FDR's years. Mm-hmm. Republicans have never had that big of a majority since Reconstruction, and if they're able to really. Hone in on that voter base, though. Well, Democrats are not going to get back a majority in the next like decade. No, it's nothing like what we had in two thousand and ten or whatever. I mean, think about if Hillary Clinton had won the twenty sixteen election. That same Senate map was up in twenty eighteen. We would have been slaughtered. Yeah, we would have been slaughtered. That may be what happens next uh, next there's, election cycle. It's odd in the Senate. There's better, there's enough for. Uh, Filibuster-proof majority—it's entirely possible. If they, if the Republicans get lucky and just pick up like one or two extra seats, then boom, that's a filibuster-proof majority. Well, they—they're going to need to pick up like how many for filibuster? Well, like, They'll pick up eleven seats. But still, that's possible. But then for the un, for the lead Republican losing seats, if they get lucky, or the battleground states, if they pick one or two up, 
there's really no competitive Republican held seats. The most you're going to get is Florida, and we saw in November that wasn't close whatsoever. Texas will only be close on a blue wave year like it was in 2018. I don't know if you remember better or work. That was a really close margin for Texas. But he ran for governor. The margin was not close whatsoever. Greg Abbott won by a lot. And we look, both of those states were fairly competitive in 2018. It won't be in 2024. I think uh, Rick Scott, the former governor, he'll have a pretty wide margin. And then Ted Cruz, who's running in Texas, will have a wide margin. Your question is Joe Manchin, who we've talked a lot about on this podcast. Will he be able to hold on? Krista Sinema is a big one because she's now an independent. Can an independent win in Arizona? Because we've only seen Vermont and Maine. Connecticut's had one pretty recently, and that's about it. We've got West Virginia, which is probably going to go Republican. We've got Pennsylvania, which is all over the place. Pennsylvania's 50-50. It depends on... Is Pennsylvania up for 2024? Mm-hmm. Okay, and then... It's Casey Jr. The whole Rust Belt's up. So if you're looking, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania are all up. And if DeSantis wins them in the presidential race, the Senate's going to go right to. The Senate's going to win the Rust Belt. We have a seat at Montana, John Tester, another fairly conservative Democrat. Will he be able to hold on? Mm-hmm. We have Sherrod Brown in Ohio. Will he be able to hold on? I think the real question is West Virginia, Montana, and Arizona and Ohio. Those four, if Republicans pick up all of those, they have 53 seats. That's quite a margin, especially from the last four years when it's been basically 50-50 for the last four years. It's- I think it'll be very interesting to see. And if they have the coattails on the presidential race, the Rust Belt gets them to what, 56 seats. Mm-hmm. They win uh, Nevada, that gets them to 57 seats. They win New Mexico, that's 58. Minnesota, that's 59. And Virginia, is 50, or that's 60. Not to mention New Jersey, which might be competitive. Maine, that gets them to 62. And Washington could be 63. It's not looking great for Democrats in the 2024 election. Also, their House margin is probably going to go up. But I think it all comes down to the Republican primary. Yeah. What happens in the general across the board, presidential, House, and the Senate, all comes down to the Republican primary. Trump wins. I don't think it'll be as big. DeSantis wins that primary. Democrats are going to be slaughtered, and it will really have re- repercussions across the next yeah. decade, up until like 2040. I think we'll be able to feel those repercussions, especially in the U.S. Senate yeah. and the governor map as well. We look North Carolina, where we are now. Roy, Coop, Roy Cooper is he's term limited. Yeah. Who is going to be the nominee? It'll probably be someone like Josh Stein, our yeah. attorney general. It's going to be Josh Stein versus probably, I don't know. Who do you think is going to be? Oh, I'm trying to think his name. Mark Robinson. It'll probably it'll be like Josh Stein, Mark Robinson. Mark Robinson will win. Yeah. There's no question about it. I don't think Josh Stein, he won by like 0.1 last time. That is. The yeah. slimmest of margins, Roy Cooper had like a three-point margin, much larger. Yeah. Um, but still not sufficient enough in a red state, in a blue wave. Right? And and if you look in a red wave year, there's absolutely no way Josh Stein wins. No. We'll have a red governor in North Carolina. Another place with a possibly could change the red is Washington. If the Senate goes red in Washington, so will the governor race. I think Jay Inslee is also term limited in Washington State, which will be up. So there's across the country... It will have repercussions, yeah. and we will be able to feel that. I think the governor races aren't as important. Those are more midterm rather than presidential years where that's going to matter a whole lot. However, regardless, the Senate map is so terrible. 
that like, will it matter what happens in the governor map? Probably not. Your abortion rights, those are going to be on the table. You have a Republican House, a Republican Senate, a Republican president's See, the last time we had a government trifecta that had Republicans, the Supreme Court would have made it unconstitutional to have anti-abortion legislation. That is not the case anymore. If Republicans have a filibuster-proof majority in the Senate, what stops them from passing legislation to ban abortions? Right. What stops them from banning stuff that is going to be um, discriminate against the LGBTQ community? Yeah, it's, it's going to be rough. It's just, can we hold on to enough seats so they don't reach 60? Yeah. There's absolutely no chance we keep the Senate. No. But we'll, what's the margin in the Senate? Yeah. There's no, there's no Democrat. I don't care if it's Joe Manchin. I don't care if it's John Tester. I don't care if it's Cinema. They're not voting to end the abortion rights. No. If they have a D under their name, there's absolutely no way. The thing is, will Republicans be okay with that? Even if they reach 60, though. I want to hear your thoughts. Susan Collins is a moderate. Lisa Murkowski is a moderate. Would they vote to end abortion rights? It, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, it's whatever the major consensus decides. It's especially when we're losing people like Christian Cinema and... We don't know that. Yeah, Joe Manchin. Well, okay. You think Christian Cinema is going to lose any Even if Joe Manchin gives away... It depends, though, if who... It depends on who's the Democrat. Right. Because if no Democrat runs... It's going to be all the Democrats vote for Krista Cinema, and then some Republicans are going to see the eye and be like, oh, let's vote for her. And then I think she could win by a lot. I don't think Democrats like her enough to run nobody. No. They're going to run someone. It'll be probably some congressman out of the state, and it'll split the Democrat vote, and Republicans are going to win a landslide. Right. That's my That's hypothesis the issue, there. Yeah. That's the issue with being an independent. Like, honestly, just don't be an independent. The only reason Angus King was able to win his, um, his race is because he was a former governor who ran as an independent, people already knew who he was as a governor. A Democrat ran, but you don't need a, you don't need a majority in Maine to win. You do now. When he ran for the first time, you didn't. And if a Democrat ran against him, he still won. Bernie Sanders ran in the Democrat primary, refused to accept the nomination, so no Democrat, no, they were forced to run no Democrat in Vermont, which is pretty much an asshole move, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, Bernie Sanders, you wanted to win. Uh, that's how he won his first, um, when he ran for House in the 90s. He just ran in the Democrat primary, won the primary, and then just didn't take the nomination to ensure no Democrat ran against him. I mean, would he have done that in the presidential race? I don't know. Would he have been like, actually, I don't want to be here in the convention. I, w I won enough delegates, so you can't run anyone. I'm just going to run as an independent. I don't know. But I think it's interesting who will run against Krista Cinema. All right, Sam, is that all you want to talk about today? This is a really interesting conversation. All right, thank you so much for listening. Tune back in whenever we do end up uploading again, and thank you so much.